Clou, Kai Clou, Hedran Clou. To what's this Dao all about? A lighthearted look at Taoism featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn what's this Dao all about. Thank you, everybody, for listening to What's This Dow All About? And we're now on show 12. And if you look at our website, I think I wrote on there uh, that we were going to, the, the, the What's This Dow All About was going to be a 12 show kind of run, right? And have, having all the stuff we've gotten into, I feel like we haven't even kind of come close to all of it. So I think we're going to have to continue doing more and keep keeping this running. Uh, because uh, I, I, for one, have uh, been having a blast doing this, and it's been a wonderful learning experience. You know, it's it's one thing we we record the show uh, for other people, you know, people to sit and listen to, but I think I learn more than anybody just doing it. So it's a uh, wonderful. Uh, but uh, in today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about texts besides the Tao Te Ching that um, that are a part of the Taoist canon, I guess. Uh, so I'm talking about Qi Gong. Uh, we, we've uh, Qigong Qigong I think is how you say it. we've been discussing that but I don't think we really hit it you know square on and then we're going to talk about uh, chapter 81 of the Tao Te Ching here on episode 12 of who knows how many <laughs> so uh, Dr. Carl Totten uh, the, the question is I mean we've been talking a lot and reading chapters from the Tao Te Ching but there are are there other Things that are quote unquote Taoist canon, or are, does everybody accept them as Taoist canon? Is it you know it, it, it is it is it all quote unquote gospel? What is <laughs> you know? Funny you should mention the Taoist canon. There actually is a Taoist canon called the Tao Song, Taoist canons, and there are I think over twelve hundred volumes in that, and it's never been completely translated uh, out of the Chinese into English, for oh. example. So we might be really missing something. <laughs> really good. But parts of it have been translated. I think the first scholar that translated it um, out of the Chinese into something else was um, a French scholar who uh, wrote a book, uh, which is called Taoism and Chinese Religion. By uh, Maspero, Henri, like Henry, Henri, Henri Maspero, I think in the 1930s, 1933 or something, 35, something like that. Great book. I have it next door in my library, actually. Mm. And, uh, and, and so he translated a few of the works from this Tao song, you know, this Taoist canons, you know, these thousands of, well, hundreds of volumes of ancient Chinese literature that contains a lot of the original writings about the Tao. Uh, 
So there's that. <laughs> and again, there's there's been just a few books in English that talk about parts of that. Mm-hmm. And and um and some of that is actually very interesting. Yeah. Uh, particularly what it ha- what it reveals about uh, about uh, qigong and meditation and uh, alchemy, uh, fascinating materials in there. I think one of the chapters is called something like uh, n- n- like nourishing this the spirit in, <laughs> and how to do that. Uh, fascinating, very interesting. So there's there's all of that, and then of course there's the I Ching, uh, you know, the Book of Changes. Uh-huh. Now, is that a spe- specifically Taoist text, or is that something that Taoist mm-hmm. incorporated from from elsewhere? Well, everybody has kind of had a hand in that, I suppose, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, supposedly, you know, the first kind of emperor of China, you know, he supposedly saw a tortoise walking and saw these marks on the tor- tor- tortoise's back. And I guess being an emperor, a son of the heaven or whatever, he divined what that meant that, uh, oh, that line is a yang line and the half line, that's a yin line. If you put the yin and the yang together, you know, that means something. And so he became inspired to write uh, commentaries, you know, on, on, on this phenomena that he had observed in nature. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, of course, over the centuries, many, many, many people have, have added to that. But it's been certainly incorporated by the Taoists as one of their fundamental texts, along with the Tao Te Ching. Mm-hmm. And uh, essentially, it, it's, a, it's been used in divination, for example, you know, because it does contain... Uh, you know, a, a full hexagram or six lines, and it consists of yin lines and yang lines, you know, the full line being a yang line, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yang being, we may have discussed at some point, that, you know, yang means things that are more solid, more heavy, more uh, bright, more evident, uh, associated with male or masculinity, mm-hmm. uh, with activity, etc., and it, and then it alternates with yin lines, you know, kind of half lines, softer, softer, yeah. more yielding, more feminine, more allowing, more receptive, and Taoism definitely identifies with the yin yeah yeah with the more mysterious with the less obvious with the potential mm-hmm. you know with the with the void if you will yeah. so there, there's definitely an affinity with that within Taoism. <laughs> yeah. and then people of course like confucius wrote commentaries about the uh, uh the, the i ching Oh, okay. And uh, as many, many hundreds of other scholars have written commentaries trying to explain this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like there's been all these translations of the Tao Te Ching, you know, people trying to, oh, I think it means this, so I think he meant that. You know? Yeah. And uh, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of uh, all of these. And so the Tao Te Ching, uh, the I Ching, and of course, again, I mentioned that vast uh, Taoist canon. And then there's something called Chuanzu. Chansa, you know, a, a later Taoist adept, you know, who is kind of an interpreter of uh, of, uh, of Lao Tzu, if mm-hmm. you will. So, and, what, prob- and, what, and is that one book on that, or mm-hmm. was it, yeah, yeah? There, there's um, a, a, yeah a series of, of verses, chapters, and uh, the only chapters that scholars think was definitely written by this guy, <laughs> yeah, are, 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 the, are the seven so-called inner chapters, okay, you know. 
and uh, the inner, in fact, here, I actually have the book right here. See, the inner chapters of Chansa. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and, um, uh, and, and again, you know, it's a lot of very, very wise, humorous uh, kind of commentaries on, you know, the nature of the Tao and uh, a lot of Lao Tzu's teachings, but from just a, a, a latter perspective uh, that may be, you know, more accessible for some people. Yeah. And uh, Tron, and the, the scholar, you know, Tronsa, this, this Taoist adept, you know, he had the famous dream, the butterfly dream, you know, where he had this dream, you know, that he was a butterfly. But then, but he wondered, you know, well, what, what's really reality? Am I, am I a man dreaming he's a butterfly, or am I a butterfly dreaming I'm a man? <laughs> what is the nature of reality? Right. And do we ever really know? And how can we tell? Mm-hmm. And when, when right now we think we're awake, but are, is this a dream? Particularly since there are there is such a thing as lucid dreaming, right? Where yeah. you're absolutely asleep. Allegedly, but you're dreaming, and you're aware that you're dreaming, mm-hmm. and and so wh- 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 where do you exist? <laughs> what plane are you? What plane are yeah. you? <laughs> and uh, so studies of consciousness. I think Taoism has some interesting things to uh, kind of muse about. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I've found that I've just kind of read the Tao Te Ching because it is uh, it. It's dense enough that it's like that. That's enough to tackle. I mean, I mean, not the actual amount of words, but the messages. And every time you look at something, you might get a, a different interpretation of it. Or yes. you know, so I've, I've kind of stuck with that. I've read a couple, couple things outside that, but I guess maybe it's time to move on to the Chuangzi. 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 Forgive my uh, Chinese pronunciation here. <laughs> so, uh, kind of moving on from that. And we've talked a lot about, how, how, it's not Qigong, how do you say it? Mm-hmm. Qigong. Qigong. Uh, we've talked a lot about Qigong, but I don't think we've really hit it on the head at exactly what that practice is. Mm-hmm. Well, Qigong uh, could be described really as the ancient Chinese version of yoga and meditation. Okay. And the word qi, of course, means energy. We've talked about that a right. little bit. And gong means work. See, so qigong is working with energy. Okay. And energy is everywhere. You know, it's you know, it's, it's part of this field of what the Tao is. Yeah. But yet, each one of us also has our own individual energies uh, contained within our being, within our body, within our brain, within our spirit, within our soul. Mm-hmm. And so, the ancient Chinese, the ancient Taoist, and others discovered that by engaging in specific practices, we could learn how to harness, collect, balance, and strengthen qi for many purposes. Uh, Number one, of course, is for health. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, uh, you know, in Chinese medicine recognizes something like 26 or 7 different forms of Chi energy in the body, and you know it's in the different organs, it's in the bones, it's in the structure, it's in the cells, it's everywhere. But by doing specific breathing and physical practices, you can have a sense of the chi responding to your intention, and so you can actually think a certain way, and observe a certain way, and breathe a certain way. And actually manifest and feel the chi moving through your body. Mm-hmm. 
and all of your organs, you know, Chinese medicine recognizes 12 kind of fundamental you know, organs of the body, and each one has its own field of qi. And when the qi in a particular organ gets out of balance, you know, it's too much, it's too little. Of course, if it's too little, you're going to become weak. Mm -hmm. It's going to not be flowing very well. You're going to become insubstantial. And the type of conditions or illnesses that come from a lack of energy or a lack of substance will begin to manifest. On the other end, if you have too much energy uh, collecting at a point or it's too intense, then you get things like infections, you get inflammation, you get pain. Mm -hmm. And so... And, Neither of those extremes is uh, conducive to good health. Right. <laughs> and so this Taoist notion of balance and harmony, by engaging in qigong, we come into energetic balance, which leads to greater balance in the rest of our life. And yep. we have good health and yet a lot of energy at the same time that becomes accessible and usable in other aspects of your life. Now, what, what are some specific qigong practices? Well, um, there are thousands of them. Okay. <laughs> and typically it involves standing or sitting in one position and then moving, uh, coordinating different parts of your body in motion. Uh, my teacher from China, he said, you have to synchronize your eyes, your mind, your movement with your breath. And when you do, your chi, your energy will automatically manifest and begin moving more under your control, okay. you know, under your direction. It's like a physical meditation almost. It is a, it is, I guess that's why I said it, I compare it to, to yoga. Yeah. You know, you, everyone, I think, has seen yoga where people you know, move into different postures. They sit on yeah. the ground and they stretch and they breathe and they hold they, like a sun posture or something. Yeah. And, uh, and then they move to the, to the next one. Well, Qigong is not... Uh, usually so much like that, like sitting on the floor and like getting into these uh, movement, stretching type of postures. It's usually standing up and then moving the hands, maybe in a circle or in a diagonal or in a spiral while following that motion with your eyes and with your breath. And so as the hand rises, we tend to inhale. As the hand fall, falls, we tend to exhale. As the hand moves in towards the body, we'll tend to inhale. And it moves away from the body, we tend to exhale. It's like Tai Chi. But, tai Chi follows the same principle because in Qigong, they say that the energy in the human body moves in a few ways. Energy tends to rise and fall. It expands and contracts. Mm -hmm. right? It moves in and out. And it gathers and dissipates. Mm -hmm. Those kind of uh, eight things are what the... And so Qigong follows that and gives you a practice to exercise this moving in and out, this rising and falling, this expanding and contracting, this gathering and dissipating. It follows those same actions but gives you a tool to actually practice that. Ah, okay. So now how, how does one learn Qigong? Well, you go to someone who knows it and will teach you. <laughs> or, and, of course, there are books on it now, and there are uh, you know, DVDs. I actually have a DVD <laughs> uh, out that teaches uh, Qigong. Oh, nice. And um, I just finished contributing a chapter in a book where I actually teach uh, you know, some Qigong uh, in the book, even. 
And um, so there's, there's, it's certainly out there now. It's definitely uh, abundantly available, you know, to people. And uh, one of my teachers, you know, my teacher who came from China, he was pretty much the first person to actually teach Qigong to non-Chinese people. Oh, wow. And uh, where it had been kind of a Chinese secret for thousands of years. Ancient Chinese know? secret. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they, they exist. <laughs> they exist. And then, of course, there are many different forms of Qigong. Like I mentioned, there's over a thousand right. at, at, at least. But even those thousands, you know, can be kind of condensed into a few categories. Some chi is kind of the chi moving through the physical body, you know, through the muscles and the joints and the tendons. Uh, another type of qigong is the chi that's moving and being collected and practiced in the organs of the body, in the meridians, okay. you know, that Chinese medicine uh, uses. In fact, by doing qigong, you might say you're becoming your own kind of doctor of Chinese medicine, oh. rather than them putting a needle in you. You're practicing on yourself. You're practicing on yourself. You know, because they put the needle in to do what? To stimulate or balance the flow of qi. And we can do that through qigong, yeah. right? So that's why if you do qigong and you know, your meditation every day, you might have much less need of the medical profession, whether it's Western or Chinese. Right. <laughs> you become your own doctor. You become your own doctor. Yeah. Uh, another form of qigong is that internal alchemy we've talked about, you know, where you're mixing, you know, different elements of, you know, your essence and your energy and your spirit, and trying to really uh, develop wisdom and higher states of of psychic and spiritual enlightenment. Now, how does one do that? Well, through very careful practice. Uh, again, there are very specific types of qigong that tap into this essence that's said to be stored in your kidneys and then that moves that and connect that with the energy that's stored in the internal energy centers kind of in your lower abdomen mm -hmm. and then link that to one that's another energy field that's in your heart wow. in your heart and so when you link this energy from the kidneys and into the lower abdomen and connect that to the heart and then lift all that up into the brain to the pineal gland, if you will, the so-called third eye, which is the th kind of the third one mm -hmm. that the Chinese uh, talk about, that leads to a, a heightened sense of awareness and perspective. And over time, it, it leads to greater sense of, of wisdom and it moves one along the process of becoming enlightened. Ah. Yes. Ah, oh, very nice. <laughs> I, now now I've got to start looking into this. So I've, I've got some real takeaways so far. I've got to read the Chongsu. 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 Yes. And uh, do a little Qigong. And now let's see here. Let's get on to the final chapter uh, of the Tao Te Ching, or final verse of the Tao Te Ching. Um, this in no way, I, I love it. it. It happens to be the last one in the book, but it in no way ends the book. You know what I'm saying? It's not like... <laughs> That's the end. It's just like, all, all uh, you could read the Tao Te Ching kind of out of order, and it wouldn't really matter. Besides, you kind of got to get the first yes. one first, yes, and then the yeah. rest of it's all you know. Yes, you de you definitely need to start with chapter one, yeah. <laughs> where he tells you that you can't understand the Tao by talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Useful to remember, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, for the last uh, twenty five hundred years, all we've done is talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so verse 81 from the Tao Te Ching. Very short and very um, direct and to the point, I think. Ooh, I've got my notes on this one. He says as follows. 
Truthful words are not beautiful. Beautiful words are not truthful. Good men do not argue. Those who argue are not good. Those who know are not learned. Though the learned do not know. The sage never tries to store things up. The more he does for others, the more he has. The more he gives to others, the greater his abundance. The Tao of heaven is pointed but does no harm. The Tao of the sage is work without effort. How beautiful is that? That is beautiful. I, well, truthful words are not beautiful. Beautiful words are not truthful. And how, you know, it's always... <laughs> Reminds me of the news, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, it's always the guy, always the guy who's going to BS you is the guy with who speaks beautifully. You know what I'm saying? Like, like a lawyer or uh, a guy... We have this interesting thing where, you know, for many years I've worked in advertising mm. and radio advertising. Mm. And the interesting thing, interesting takeaway... Beautiful uh, words. yes. <laughs> The thing I've learned is beautiful words don't sell. <laughs> if you use unbeautiful words, we we had this uh, thing. I'd say I say a, a great radio ad is like a three-legged dog. <laughs> it's not cute. It moves kind of funny. And so when when I'd write these ads, it would be we always use guys that don't have great radio voices, like a guy who works at the company who might speak funny or have an accent. But it sounds very genuine. Mm-hmm. Things that are true, uh, and people can feel that immediately. Like you mm-hmm. know, on some level, when something is false, mm-hmm. or something like when someone's had plastic surgery, mm. sometimes you don't necessarily uh, know what has been done to their face, but you think that didn't occur naturally, <laughs> right? Like we have this, we see things that are real and of nature so much that when something has been altered, it sticks out, no matter yes. how much. Yes. You're trying to fix it or whatever. And I think the same thing is with words. You know, things that, uh, things that are true are never really written beautifully. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, seems like, he, I, I think a lot of this, I think it seems like Lao Tzu's talking about the nature of reality, yeah. really. Truthful words are not beautiful. Because often, uh, what what we see in our daily existence that's true, it's not necessarily something that we would identify as beautiful. No. You know, as having a aesthetic attractiveness. But it's true. Or or an idea-wise right. attractiveness. There's mm-hmm. a lot of there's a lot of terrible truths out there that we have to yeah. navigate. Beautiful words are not truthful. You know, because often people are trying to color something in a particular way in order to sell you something, <laughs> right. you know, or, or in order to get their political or other point across. In other words, in order to be right. Yeah. yeah it, it, so it's in service of the ego and, rather than of truth. And remember, even the Bible, there's something in there about you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Yeah. See, there's freedom that comes from truth. Because you have to release your ego to accept yes. truth. Because and then that look at the very next thing he says: good men do not argue. Yeah, <laughs> those who argue are not good. <laughs> and so people who are stuck on being true, uh, being right, you know, getting their truth across to you, and trying to be like evangelist or something, mm-hmm. and trying to convert you. Uh, the, uh, Taoists don't trust those types of folks. Right. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like uh, on on Facebook. 
you'll see uh, you know people that, that that post about political things or post mm-hmm. about their ideologies yes. every day, and and they're, they're trying to convince you of something. And in many ways, I think that if someone's always trying to hit me over the head with their beliefs or whatever, that maybe they're kind of insecure. You know, there's a shake. There's a great running thing on the show where I always quote things incorrectly, and I'm going to do it again. It was like, you know, <laughs> she doth protest too much. Oh, you know, <laughs> yes. and, and Shakespeare. Yeah, and and it, it, it this aligns perfectly with chapter one. Which, if I only read chapter one, I think I'd know more. You know, there's so much you could take from it. But in, in chapter one, it's a ever desireless one sees the beauty, desiring one sees the manifestations. Yes, and then in the same thing. That we we desire beautiful truths, or we desire uh, to believe in the world is a certain way, yes. and those that's almost like that false beauty. Yes. But once we let go, let go of the ego, and see the world for what it is, again, it'll 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 set you free on some level. And I like what he says about the sage never tries to store things up, you know. Because the more you just try to keep collecting things, and it's clinging, holding like clinging on, to clinging yeah. to things, um, the, the the more kind of bogged down you're going to yeah. become. And then, of course, you feel you need to do what? If you have a lot of things, you're going to need to do what? Protect it, right? And, and, and control. <laughs> and control it, right? And control access to it from other people. And so instead, what does Lao Tzu counsel? The, the sage, the more he does for others, the more he has, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it, it, the more he gives to others, the greater his abundance. He's talking clearly about sharing yeah. rather than holding on and clinging to things, saying, this is mine yeah. and you can't have it. No. My way or the highway. Yeah. You give it away and then you're truly rich. Mm-hmm. Because now everybody has benefited from your largesse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and... Um, uh, even I think Saint uh, Francis of Assisi, right? That's basically what he said. He essentially said the same thing, you know, that in that in giving to others, you're giving to yourself, mm-hmm. and by sharing with others, you become, uh, you have a sense of abundance, right? Yeah. And so this this is Taoist ethics right here. You yeah. know, this is the core of Taoist ethics. The work, the Tao of Heaven is pointed but does no harm. Okay, it's focused, but it doesn't harm anything in existence. You know, it, it has a perspective, but that perspective is only valid if it's not harming others. Now, when they say the Tao of heaven, is that just like saying, like the heaven is kind of the nebulous place where the Tao resides or comes from mm-hmm. or the vo- the void we're talking about? Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or are they talking about the Tao of heaven being the way of heaven? You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, when when uh, you know Chinese talk about heaven, you know they're talking about like higher spiritual values, if you will. Yeah. And so when you're coming from a, a place of of, of 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 your highest nature, th- then you you cause no harm, you know, to others. Yeah. Because if you're harming others, then you're, yeah. you know, you're 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 breaking the you're breaking the Tao. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're you're breaking the Tao, and um, uh, that that's uh, kind of undaoist, if you will. Right. And, and so the Tao of the sage is work without effort, work without effort. And so how, how do we work without effort? By doing what comes naturally, mm-hmm. what comes naturally. And th- so there's this old, these old sayings, when the sage is tired, 
he sleeps. When he's hungry, he eats. Right? And so by doing things effortlessly and naturally, you actually accomplish more than the kind of negative results and the pushback you're going to get if you're trying to cling to being right and to push your way onto others that may have nothing to do with what's natural for them. And if you're trying to acquire your wealth and riches at the expense of everybody else. Now, the richest person is the person who has, again, the the Adawa, a sage, a Taoist sage knows when they've had enough. Right. And then everything else they just share. Right. You know, now everybody has enough. Right. See, and now the world works. Right. Right. Every, every, everybody has a sense of fulfillment and they understand that through cooperation you can attain more than through cutthroat competition. Right. That's through, the Western way, right? <laughs> through, through proper social alchemy, we can multiply but through cooperation. Yes, yes. You know, this earth has enough for all of us if we only knew how to share, mm-hmm. you know, how, and how to cultivate naturally, you know, without destroying our ecosystem right. because there, there's, there's payback for that, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a big payback for yeah. that. And... Um, you know, this earth has gone through various extinction events over the years. And, I, you know, I, I, I pray, I hope that we are cultivating a, a, a new one, you know, by not being stewards and caretakers of this garden, this wonderful, magnificent garden mm-hmm. we call planet Earth, right. our mother. And our job is to nurture the mother, learn from the mother, because, you know, Taoism is called a nature philosophy, a nature religion. You know, it, it's, it looks at the harmony within nature, you know, the tides and the seasons and the wind and the rain and uh, how, how all these elements, when they're working together, they nurture the whole so that everything, every being, every plant, every insect, every animal has exactly what it needs to thrive. Right. And, and, and by thriving, it fulfills its mission. We all fulfill our individual and collective mission by becoming creative. We become the creator. We become one with, the, with creation itself while allowing space for everyone else to manifest their mission. Mm-hmm. So then you have a world which lives in peace and harmony. And that is the Taoist ideal, where everything can rise to its own nature by living in peace and harmony with the rest of all of nature. That is, the Dao, that is the way of the Tao. Beautiful. And with that, I'd like to thank C. Joe, Dr. Carl Totten. May the Tao be with you all.